Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll find Amazon links to help you purchase the music you hear on the show, along with a donate button if you'd like to give something directly to the Jazz Session and help keep these interviews coming. If you're interested in becoming an underwriter of the Jazz Session, you can find out how to do that on the contact page at thejazzsession.com. My guest today is the saxophonist Howard Wiley. He's released an album called 12 Gates to the City, which is a follow-up to his album The Angola Project. Both CDs deal with modern-day conditions at the Angola Maximum Security Penitentiary in Louisiana, where very little has changed since the days when the prison was a plantation. There are still uh, men picking cotton there, being watched by guards on horseback with guns, and uh, that still goes on in 2010. And Howard's first album uh, documented uh, his uh, kind of knowledge about Angola before he traveled there, and then this album uh, is in response to his actually visiting the prison. It begins uh, with this tune called After Prayer. My guest is saxophonist and composer Howard Wiley. He has uh, recorded, uh, I think, an important album of music called 12 Gates to the City, uh, which is a follow-up to his uh, previous album, The Angola Project. And uh, it's my pleasure to welcome Howard Wiley to talk about this music. Thanks for being here. Oh, man, thank you so much for having me, and it's my pleasure. So I think uh, it's probably best to start and give people a little overview uh, of these these two albums, what 
what led you to record this music and uh it's it's really incredible music i'm I'm so happy to have uh, to have heard it but will you tell folks what the inspiration uh, behind these recordings was well um a friend of mine my partner on the project he's an ethnomusicologist um at the university of seattle washington his name is daniel atkinson uh, he used to live in the bay area and uh he's a big jazz head he's played saxophone work for this label called monarch records uh san francisco and did some stuff with the smithsonian but um, he was like, man, this is a little record store out of uh, El Cerrito that's putting out these records called Our Hooli. Um, and they got these records from Angola State Penitentiary, man. It's some killing stuff. And I was very hesitant to check it out because, I mean, you know, you don't really get a call from your home every day saying, hey, man, check out the prison music. <laughs> you know, we all big jazz heads. You know, I'm like, did you say Coltrane bootleg? Did I hear that? You know, no. And uh, so... He moved to Seattle, and I, I was very reluctant. I didn't check it in, any of the music out until he picked me up from the airport one time I went to visit. And uh, he's like, now you're going to listen to it. And it was this tune called Rise and Fly. That's on the um, Angola State Prisoners, uh, Angola State Prison Spirituals album, and it was amazing. It was some of the most moving, touching, inspirational, but so creative music that I've ever heard and then I just went and, and got all all the um, Alan Lomax recordings all the Harry Oster recordings and started doing a lot of research on um, Angola State Penitentiary and, and Daniel went down to Angola right before Katrina and uh, came back with these recordings of this and it was this group called Pure Heart Messenger which recorded a tune called 12 Gates to the City and after I heard that like I have to put a project together to um try and pay homage and investigate this music because it's, it's, it's so much of all forms of creative American musical expression in there. You have this like very strong sense of gospel and blues, but then you have this like like this like slave culture, these slave chants and these field howlers that were were that had died off and it been kept alive in this plantation prison. And it went from being a uh, uh, a slave plantation directly to a, a, a prison. So it, it was a trip. And, and the first album was based upon, you know, me as an outsider looking, looking getting all this information and um, putting it together and putting the project together. And, and it was, uh, that's why the first album is just kind of dark because I found out, you know, maximum security prison one way in, one way out. Um, that most of these prisons, most of the air are there for. Uh, are there just because of uh, poverty and lack of education. And, you know, when you're poor and broke, not too many options for you. And uh, just, just, the, just the type of mental anguish that goes on at Angola and how it's still people picking cotton in the uh, year 2010, and that's called, in 100-degree weather, and that's called rehabilitation. You know, from a cat who was born in Berkeley and lives in, you know, suburbs, Hercules in the Bay Area, that's quite a culture shock for me. But then I took a visit to the prison in 2007 with Daniel, and that's what sparked the, uh, the latest uh, project, the latest album, uh, 12 Gates to the City. Um, I was uh, commissioned by Meet the Composer and Meet the Composer in New York and Intersection for the Arts in San Francisco to host a 12 movement suite uh, about these um, African-American uh prison slave culture uh, uh, chant songs, field howlers, and so on and so forth. And I took a visit there and heard some of the most amazing music I've heard to date. And it 
Billy Jackson has is the thing that Coltrane has. Is no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, when you hear these passes, you feel it. You understand. That's what, and that's what these these prisoners possess is you know, that transcendent spirituality. So after the uh, the visit that you made to the prison and the music that you heard, uh, how did you go about actually figuring out what you were going to write for this record? It, uh, it seems like that's a uh, there's a lot there's a lot here on this record that I think probably goes beyond the stuff that you heard when you were at Angola. How did you decide to express your experience in music? It's a trip because the whole the process of learning all this music and really trying to understand this this way of musical expression. It, the blues, it's the gospel, it's different. It has these elements of improvisation that exist in jazz. It has these these these, these elements of, of creativity that are so fluent in all forms of American music, but it's very different. So exploring that, I took a lot I took a lot of lead from the uh, the prisoners during my visit. Like I would ask they were so very open and honest and so with their music and their traditions and explaining to me how this was passed on from this guy to this guy. One of the cats we met inside his name was John Taylor. Um, he was uh, in uh, vocal groups and uh, I forgot the name of the quartet that he was in New Orleans before when he was a child yeah, in the 50s before he was incarcerated in the 70s. And he didn't really want to talk about the bloody Angola times. But uh, he would tell us about how it was passed down and how the uh, mentorship and how the, uh, that's the word I'm looking for. I'm sorry, man. I didn't go to college, so sometimes I get stuck some of these words. Sometimes. Uh, even apprenticeship, or how Blake's apprenticeship with Billy X. Thompson did that, and how Wayne apprenticeship with Blakey and how Miles did with Bird. And the same goes on with, with, um, with this music there. And uh, just understanding that and going there and, and feeling the love these guys have for the music helped me really focus on how to present this and how to um, put all of it together. And I composed and started composing a lot of the music 
when I was down in Angola, like one of the three days, Captain Donna Smalls, uh, John Taylor. The music that we had, that we were there to listen to their uh, rehearsals. And uh, it was it was so moving and so inspiring. As soon as we left, I picked up the pen and the paper and, and started writing. And can I ask what um, what's the what's the point of writing this music? What why did you feel compelled to to make these albums and to put this put these stories out there? It was the, the story of Angola is, is so compelling and the music is whenever you whenever you encounter something that's just really compelling and something that touches you our first our human nature is to pass it on whether it's going to a good restaurant whether it's uh, just picked up a killing record you know I had to call my homeboy I'm like man did you get that Joe Lovano trio fascination because Elvin is killing you know if you want to share you want to put something together when something really touches you in a special place that's this music did to me I just felt compelled to put the project together. I mean, there's so many elements. There's so many elements of, um, you know, the plantation culture, which which I thought had been completely died off and eradicated, which is flourishing. This music that I thought was gone and that was that is still has elements of it, you know, from hundreds of years ago before, um, you know, any recording capabilities have been invented, you know, are still partly there. Just so much history, just so much of everything that I love is, is wrapped up into the music of Angola and just discovering these songs and the way they did it shed a light on a lot of things that I heard as a child growing up in church I grew up in a Baptist church in Oakland I call it Southern Style Baptist it wasn't you know Southern Baptist Church but everybody from the church was from the South and the church was founded by those from the South and it was this chant that the deacons would, would sing at the beginning of every church service and it sounded a whole lot like Rise and Fly. It was like just the way they say things, the way they talk, the expressions that happened in the South and that these cats do in Angola. I was like, oh, Big Mama used to do that. Oh, Granny did that. They did that at Triumph Church. So it was, a, it was quite a discovery process for me. You know, stuff that I heard as a kid from my, my grandparents and other people in my community and stuff that I just picked up listening to jazz. And you know, most famous prisoner from um, Angola is Lead Belly. And without him, wow, where would blues be? Where would country and west can be? It, it wouldn't be so. It's so much wrapped up in, in that place and in, in this in, in this culture and things that we tend not to talk about and not to discuss. And that's what compelled me to put the project together. One of the ways uh, in which this album is is very explicit about some of those issues uh, is in the words of Robert King. Will you talk about uh, who he is and and how he ended up on this record? Robert King was one of the uh, I think it was the first free Angola three. Angola three are three guys from at the Bay Area from Oakland that were uh, members of the Black Panther Party and wrongfully incarcerated. Uh, at Angola in a solitary confinement for 30 years. Um, doing this project, dealing with prisons, I've been in contact and working with a lot of, you know, prison advocacy groups. You know, Daniel and I go in schools and 
talk about Angola and talk about Thorns there and, you know, modern day slavery and so on and so forth. And uh, through this, I was uh, befriended by uh, Angola Three Actors, Marina Drummer. And um, she was in uh, the arts organization that I work with, uh, Intersection for the Arts, had a, a year long uh, discovery, year long exploration in, you know, how prisons are affecting our culture. And uh, at this uh, at this symposium, it was uh, Angela Davis spoke and Robert King spoke, and we performed as well. And this was at San Francisco State, I want to say 13 Amendment said, slavery and involuntary servitude shall exist on these shores. And it goes on to say, except prison, one who has been duly convicted of a crime. How many people in the United States who have been duly convicted of a crime but are actually morally innocent? They are innocent of these crimes. Therefore, we have to look at the dehumanizing aspect of prisons just as much as we looked at the dehumanizing and the chattel aspect of slavery. Prisons, in effect, is slavery. Slavery that they've managed to sell in a democracy 
the people who have been fooled by this same democracy into believing that they are in fact living democracy, that they in fact have democracy. Of course, we have a system based on the principles of democracy, but do the people, uh, I, what, democracy is a word, what is the Greek word? Demo, what does it mean? People, that's the power. Democracy, people power. Where is the people power? The people have relinquished the power to a politician or to a false democracy. The Black Panther Party say power to the people. When it said power to the people, it meant that. It meant power to the people, not to the politicians. You relinquish your boy right, people. Uh, we'll let this happen because we have relinquished our power. If we seize the power, seize the time to seize the power. Again, when the Black Panther Party said power to the people, it meant just that. It was not empty word. It was a power to the people. It meant power to all people. You have the power to change things. If you want to change things, ain't no one power. Ain't no politician gonna change nothing for you. The people changes, and you can change prison. You can abolish slavery. This uh, this music has so many so many facets to it, and uh, often I think one of the the most grounding elements of it uh, is the work of Faye Carroll on this record. Can you talk about Faye? Oh, well, how can you not talk about the dynamic Miss Faye Carroll? She is a um, a bear, a treasure, and I uh, I call her my musical mother because she has been kicking my butt for so long, and she has just that same thing that we talk about that transcendent spirituality. That ability to touch you, that ability to, to, to make you feel and understand. It's like when you watch Lawrence Fishburne play Othello, you're like, yes, I feel it. You know, when, when you get that, it's that, it's that, that they have to believe in it. One of my favorite actors from around here, Margot Hall, does the same thing. And Faye Carroll is just like quite a gem and understands music from all aspects of the diaspora. And she's able to communicate. These, these intangible somethings. I talk about this a lot too, at at, at performances. And if that if that thing, man, that you know when it's there, you know when it's not. It's like you know when you have Big Mama's collard green. You like Big Mama. I don't know what you did. You put your foot in it because that thing is there. Because you know when you get that sweet potato pie with that or that peach cobbler, you're like, I don't know if it's the nutmeg. I don't know if it's the cinnamon, but that thing is there. And when that thing is not there, you totally recognize. You know, it was like when you hear Betty Carter from the first note, oh, that thing is there. And Faith Carroll has that that thing, that transcendent spirituality, which takes that which takes everything that I've just composed and tried to put together and express it and convey it to the people. I think we we as, you know, Jazzy, especially in the last ten years, really have got separated from that vein of the story, that that blue, that folk. Um, Mulgrew Miller talked about it a lot. He was publishing down speaking about how we're losing that folk quality. You know, Archie Shep, the same thing. It talks about that now. Jazz music is losing this folk quality. And, you know, Jason Marcellus speaks upon the same thing, too. And that folk quality, that thing, that intangible, that, you know, whatever Big Mama put in the collard green, Bay Carroll is the true embodiment of that. Da, da.
Howard, uh, you mentioned uh, getting a chance to perform this and going into schools and, and talking about Angola and uh, and modern-day slavery. And I wonder what uh, what people's reaction is. I guess that you it sounds like you're in front of varying age groups. It seems like disbelief might be factored in there somewhere. But what, what are people's reactions like as you play this music and as you go around talking about what you've seen? It's, it's, it's a trip because they really love the music, especially... Um the newer stuff, once I got to meet the prisoners and see, like, the joy for music that they have and the, the appreciation that they show and how they were so open with it, I, uh, I was able to, you know, compose tunes like, you know, Come Forth to the House and and just those John Taylor, these these, these things that express the, the beauty of the spirit. But they, they hear that, and they hear that in the music, and then we tell them that, you know, the pictures that are on the CD, or the first CD, with the with the uh, with the uh, police officer, not the police officer, the um, correctional officer on a horse with a rifle, and you know, eight to twenty men walking in a line with picks and holes on their back, going in the field to pick cotton and steal land, telling that Angola grosses at their one annual event, the rodeo, over a million dollars a year. That they produce, that they breed special horses, that they breed special dogs that are half wolf at the prison that they that there are men still picking cotton in the south to this very day it's shock it's awe it's surprise the same thing when I when I encountered it when I first heard about this stuff and first read about it and that came out in the, the, the first album everybody's like man Howard's album is real dark it's dense it's heavy I'm like man the information that I've just found out was was crazy you know I'm I'm a vegan from Berkeley you know, I thought a lot of this stuff was behind us, and it turns out that it's that it's really not, and this is going on. But they, it's, I try to do what Cannonball Adderley said he tries to do. He tries to entertain but inform. You know, so they they they're very receptive, really appreciative, and shocked. Howard, will you talk about uh, where the title Twelve Gates to the City" comes from? comes from that um, the spiritual 12 gates to the city that it was the, uh, the song that I heard the uh, pure heart messenger sing that convinced that I completely fell in love with and that's just the name so 12 gates to the city everybody's trying to get to the city you know it's three gates in the north three in the south three in the east three in the west you know you can get there no matter what direction you take we're all trying to get there and it, it derives straight from that spiritual, straight from the church. Cannibal said, not by chorales, but soul church music.
Um, you uh, you mentioned this uh, this track earlier, and uh, I was hoping you could talk about Captain Donna DeMoss, which is a track that's based on a, a real human being with that name. Mm-hmm. Captain Donna was, uh, you know, when you go to a prison, they just don't let you walk around, and I was quite happy about that. And we had an escort, and her name was Captain Donna DeMoss, and um, it, it was quite a trip. She, she's a... Uh, you, you, you know, when somebody works with you know prisoners all day, every day, they get the they, they get the ability to size you up very quickly. And she gave me the once over, and and you could tell I was being sized up. And after that, it was it was great. She had true and genuine compassion for the prisoners. Um, she was uh, I think she works on the board that um, investigates um, uh, wrongfully incarcerated prisoners, which John Taylor, another person I wrote a song for. Was uh, wrongfully accused and in prison for over thirty years, and I believe he's gonna, he's, he's uh, in the process of being released now. But she has true and genuine compassion for the prisoners, and she made our visit as pleasant as possible. At is there, and she's just such a beautiful person. And it's a trip to meet all these beautiful people to see such great examples of humanity in a maximum security uh, prison station from from both sides, from the prisoners and from the uh, from the administration, it was it was a trip. But she's a true, truly beautiful person. It's amazing to me that uh, you mentioned when you first heard uh, this music from Angola, you were listening to things like the Lomax recordings, which I think are from the '30s, and then the Oster recordings from the '50s. And I mean, this is 2010. Uh, that's 80 years after the Lomax recordings were made, and you went to Angola and you heard some of the same things. I mean, it's. It's unbelievable. It's, it's like a place that where time has just frozen. It's it's no. That's the crazy thing about prisons down there is no information gets in. Um, when uh, one of the uh, I can't remember the name of all the acapella groups we we went and saw. It's been a few years, but one of the groups we went and see, he, they were introducing everybody, and one of the prisoners was like, "Yeah, this cool guy over here, name is Brooke Benton." I'm like, "What?" Is that the latest reference for a pop star that you have? You know, it's Brooke Benton. That just let me know how little information gets into Angola. Because Daniel originally went down to Angola to uh, see how hip-hop was, uh, what had what had been going on with hip-hop, what changes had been made, what, you know, ethnomusicologists, music dark people. When, oh, I wonder what hip-hop is like, and, you know, in prison in the South. And they he called, and they were like, there is no hip-hop here. There's no rap music. And it's it's quite a trip. No information and information out and the only music that can be played there is uh, Christian music, you know, gospel. There are Christian bands, gospel choirs, uh, gospel quartet, Christian rock groups. You could study theology but you could uh, only get a degree in Christianity and all the trustees just, you know, happen to be Christian. So it's it's very interesting how things are set up down there. Well, you've certainly uh, you've certainly made some really incredible music as a result of what you've seen. Uh, I think this is a, an important record, as the first one was, and I hope uh, folks will check it out. My guest is Howard Wiley, and he and the Angola Project, featuring uh, Faye Carroll, have recorded an album called Twelve Gates to the City." That is uh, well worth your time, Howard. Uh, thank you for making the music and for coming on the show to talk about it. It's been great to talk with you about this album. Oh man, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Mm-hmm. 
fight. That's cool, I got us, so now I'm beginning to rise. I'm rolling in before I'm closing my eyes. Red clay in the banks of the Mississippi's alive. Bury the dead, holding levees instead. Blood dripping the soul of my cell, a slave's fed. But hell, your Jackson cries, they all lie. Instead of looking up in the sky, there's no pie, just hot some blades and chain gangs. I'm banging cotton and sugar cane, it's strange, nothing's changing. Where's my family? They found me in the sticks. They wasn't fucking with it, it's Highway 66. The devil's in the kitchen cooking belly of the beast. They threw me in the hole with barely nothing to eat, so I meditate in the wake of a new peace. Spirit stays I seem to be on them old trees Hanging my people but escaping my enemies They be hanging my people so I'm seeing my enemies Hanging my people I'm escaping my enemies They be hanging my people now I'm knowing my enemies Don't rise Come on rise Come on rise Rise We the ghosts of the plantation We the ghosts of the plantation I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. My thanks to the Respect Sextet for recording the theme music to this show. They've got a new album out called Farcical Built for Six, and you will find it at RespectSextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who recorded The Jazz Session. He didn't record it. He, uh, he created The Jazz Session's logo. It's difficult, in fact, to record a visual thing. No, it's not. Not if you have some sort of like videotape, for example, or a DVR or something. I'm going to stop now because I really have nothing else intelligent to say, and none of this was preceded by anything smart. Finally, I'd like to thank you for listening, except for this last couple of seconds. And uh, please go out and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can. And then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.